Welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast. I should mention today, by the way, we're recording this on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur, so I haven't eaten anything in about 19 hours. So it's a great way to podcast, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, you would have you would have uh, thrown it up if you had to watch last night's game. Well, I ate like 15 minutes before the game started. So. <laughs> just to get it in. Uh, I, yeah, I, well, you had to do it before the sun goes down, tactically. So I decided to just to wait a little bit. Um, the other thing that I want to mention, we've got a couple things we want to get to before we get to the Panthers. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Do we have more to talk about about the fan base or the actual hockey? Feels like uh, more to talk about with the fan base. Anyway, well, it's typical of Panthers. It's always I, I more know, talking about offense. Can we start so. first about the greatest thing that the Philadelphia Flyers have ever done? Better than gritty. I would say this is right under gritty because because okay. I could I could see this end it like ending prematurely and being only a temporary thing. So gritty's going to live forever. The, the, that's, that's true. Gritty is eternal. Even after the heat death of the universe, yeah. it will be gritty. But yeah. the Flyers have created something called a rage room. So what you have to do is, um, is you pay money, basically. Like, depends on the money it is. I think it's $35 for individuals at home games, 60s for groups of two. You get five minutes to go into a room and break stuff. Because you're mad at Alain Vigneault. Or Kevin Hayes, or, or I mean, Kevin Claude Giroux, or whoever the person wants to put Just you know LeBron all their anger out yes yeah i mean there's gonna be in philadelphia everybody takes a turn at least once well, um do you think it's better than we're doing this rage room as opposed to calling angelo cataldi at like six in the morning saying i hate tyler pitlick well i mean i guess this is very comcastian in that they're making money off people's rage and pain <laughs> It's pretty much the I'm clapping Comcast right business model. Right. <laughs> so this is, I mean, as someone who's um, been in many rage rooms in Comcast buildings, uh, this is typical. Uh, and but is it's it's nice to see. Uh, it's a little creative. I, we'll I, see I, how what happens, but. Uh, <laughs> There'll definitely be some bar stool or like Deadspin or like some articles. And video footage that comes out of something going wrong or somebody really getting well, into Here's a picture of Sidney Crosby. Somebody accidentally left a lighter in the rage room. You know what yeah. happens next. Right. Yes. Uh, it's located behind a hidden library wall entrance in the new assembly room lounge and bar. So we're literally going to like, this is an ep this is like a game of Clue. You know, there's stuff behind the walls. or maybe It's, it's Clue. It's on. Escape the Room. And it's like. Yes the veterans 700 level veteran stadium 700 yes, level it's, it's all of those things with minus a courthouse so and and but with the obligatory urine smell ah uh, oh definitely in there so you could break tvs dishware yeah. bottles guitars and a bunch of other things guitars with oh i know but they're gonna be old Who's... guitars so are they just cleaning out like what Goodwill doesn't want and just piling it up? I think like, that's that... actually not a bad idea. It's one way to get rid of trash. I mean, I guess. Seriously, you're yeah. just breaking it. I love it. Now, if the Panthers had an, a, a rage room, what would that include? Well, it would probably sell more tickets. Um, oh, very good. I love, and, and just a little tangent, I love the whole everybody in Florida media pumping out those after game one, how everybody was commenting on the crowd. Everybody was commenting on the crowd. And 
the crowd to me looked like a lot of wristbands on seats. But it, anyway, it was seventeen five. It was pretty good. Okay, that's great. Uh, that's really good. Happy for him. But after pumping out all those articles afterwards to see the what nine nine two that showed it up, was, it was close to twelve thousand. Yeah, and 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 people want to be like, oh, why did they come out flat? Hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday night home game against God, everyone's why? favorite Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, South Florida when... loves them some Hurricanes. Yeah, I, I know. This yeah. is why they so, I mean... four home games in October, everybody. Uh, one last. And thing I can't happens. physically go to the game, so I mean. Uh, I mean, maybe one day if I get a job down there, I could, but I would have to go to the press box. Um, they should. They should hire you. They. You know what? Maybe they should. It's, uh, not, it's not like the broadcast has been any better than on ice. I'm I mean, not criticizing anything related to broadcasters because I want to get a job in this industry, sir, <laughs> and therefore you, you don't want to do that. That's fine. I'll, become... I'll just I'll just say that you know Randy Muller needs to learn to talk about more than just dumpins. And do more than explain everything like it's the first time someone learned about hockey. Not just that they're new to hockey, that it's the very first time that they're hearing about the sport of hockey. Here's it's, another thing with the a, rage it's room. It's not good. Here's another thing with the rage room. Of course, it originated in Japan. There's no shock about that. Um, they have one in the Bay Area. I've been to the Bay Area a lot in my life. I need to go to one of those. And they actually have one where you can break your own stuff, which interesting but i like this idea and and so if you have a friend that's going through a breakup there's a good gift card to get for uh, the impending yeah all season. the pictures and you just <laughs> throw them against the wall yeah and you turn there on you like i don't know disturbed or something in the in the rage room and there you are the panthers need to create one of these system of a down system of a down yes i hate that band by the way they suck so speaking... uh, they got some they got no, some good ones no no speaking of bands though we have to talk about something before we get to the panthers because the new official band of the national hockey league your favorite i well we have to sir is Green Day a two-year contract? Terms were not disclosed because apparently the Florida Panthers wrote the press release. Look at look at Nookie selling out. Love it. Oh, uh, I, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of Green Day 2.0. Green Day 2.0 is like all the people who think that like Simple Plan had some good albums. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, this I will agree with you. Simple Plan is one of the worst bands of the uh, 2000s. I don't think there's any. Uh, yeah. That song, How Could This Happen to Me, or Untitled, whatever the pretentious name of it was, yeah, I mean, is, is and, and I'm not, one of the I'm top not, 10 worst songs ever written. I'm no not doubt about that. I'm not really poking too much fun. I, I can still get behind a good New Found Glory song, but yeah. there's, there's lines in the sand, and to me, bands that do most of their music for cor- get paid by corporations to do most of their music just aren't gonna resonate have you heard of the band imagine dragons sir yeah and this and that's literally what green day 2.0 is to me well, they're interchangeable i will say this it is not necessarily as good as green day 1.0 whatever the arbitrary distinction is i Absolutely. like their last album i thought their last album had some pretty good songs on it um their first single from this new album which you haven't listened to and you won't listen to maybe for the stubborn best. mule is Stubborn bad. Warfare. Is very very bad. Why would you do that for Billy Joe Armstrong, who actually yeah, doesn't have a bad singing you, voice? What you could do instead is listen to the new Bayside album, which is actually good. Okay, I'll do that after we're done recording this. Uh, by the way, do you know that the song they're using for we're talking about this because their new deal means they're going to be on Wednesday Night Hockey a lot. The song apparently that's in like the bumpers is called Ready Fire Aim, which who knew they wrote about the Florida Panthers defense corps. 
Oh man. I had to. Are I had we tabling that, or do, can I? Like, I don't know how much I want to say now for just making a joke about it. Uh, well, but yeah, it's later. Later. Uh, by the way, what's the best? Green it's Day what song? we. It's what we knew it was. Let's just say that. What's the best Green Day song, by the way? Um, it's. It's. Um, I'm, I'm trying to. I know that I have to think of the name. Is it off of Dookie? It probably is. Day. It's probably off Dookie. I can tell you which one it isn't. Yeah. It's not Good Riddance Time of Your Life. Also one of the top ten songs worth uh, worst ones ever written. Yeah. No doubt about that. It's not Wake Me Up When September Ends, by the way. How awful which are those is jokes on that, Twitter, by the way. They're gonna be they're gonna have video footage now. They're, like that's next year. That's all the preseason oh. campaign. Yeah, you're right. Crap. It's gonna be even worse. You're right, good point. Uh, yeah, I mean it's the best yeah, thing anything off to Tommy Krulikowski is um Longview or whatever the basket one is. Basket. What's it the basket's a, yeah. Yeah. If she's a better song off that album, but I don't know. I haven't thought about that as closely as I should. Yeah, I mean and and I'm a I'm a run of the mill one point Green Day fan. I'm not a diehard. I'm not oh, no you know, I wouldn't you're not getting me you know, I wouldn't. with Green Day Weezer and I just, Boy. I just don't want I don't want anyone thinking like, oh, those are his picks. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna be throwing out any big B tracks or something off some out you know, it's There's not some gonna Dookie be album cuts that are really good. There's some albums. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there are. I'm just not as seasoned. Also as... the American Idiot album cuts are actually better than most of the singles, let's be yeah. fair with I that mean, as well. Right. I mean, let's just all panic at the disco. Uh, well, speaking of a band that now stinks, actually, solo project that now stinks, Ooh. those two songs, those two singles, are horrifically bad. I mean, they are just, I cannot believe how bad they are. By the way, one of the songs being called High Hopes, I mean, you're from Philly, I'm from Philly. You know, Harry Callis kind of sung the Frank Sinatra version of that song. And as much as I dislike the Philadelphia Phillies, Give me Harry Callis singing Frank Sinatra a thousand times out of a thousand over the awful, awful song called High Hopes. I thought when yeah. it was really sometimes, it sometimes it's just it's it's about the passion and the, the reason for singing, not just the actual singing and in the this other song. Stuff, Hey Look Mom for sure. is just it, it it sounds like it was literally throwing things at garage band. It's absolutely terrible. You notice we're talking about music because we don't want to talk about the best uh, and, and and when we have to say that our our music isn't much old. better because it's free. Bit, well, I like the stuff that we get off of uh, free music. It's better than hours. Nickelback. It well, any actually a test pattern auto tuned is better than Nickelback. You know the emergency alert sound. Cell test phone alarms are better than Nickelback. I, who, what band is better than Nickelback? Cell phone alarms. No, the like your actual cell, cell phone phones alarms. alarms. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. I would agree with you there. I would agree with you. Uh, what else is better uh, than Nickelback? Yeah, some of them slap. Nah, they. Some of them do actually. Um. Yeah. So. Well, by the way, I had somebody. I created a new podcast, by the way, on LGBTQ people in sports. Uh, it's called the Outfield Podcast. If you'd like to listen to it, I encourage you to do so. It's a lot of good stuff when people come on. Is that semicolon? Pun intended. Uh, it was the best thing I could think of at the time. 
Um, I like it. I mean, it, it goes good with the sports. It's nice. Yeah. It's simple. It's I, easy. I, I, I don't. I, I don't mind it. Um, the music is also from the same artist that has the music that we use for intro here at Y Hockey. And somebody actually told me it sounds like NPR, which I guess is what I was trying to go for, by the way. But I mean. It, it didn't really work. It's for regal, classic, it timeless. Definitely legal, and you know, with NPR, it has to not only be free, but it has to be the cleanest sounding audio in the history of audio. That's the joke about NPR: is that every audio has to sound so clean. So, like, we did an interview with NPR for some reason. They wanted to take a Y hockey clip. They'd have to put it through every audio filter known to man. They would hate it. And that's a that's an inside baseball joke, but. I always love it because it's a joke about NPR that I always like to make with their podcast. We would have to we would have to come into the studio and retape it. You, They'd print out the script and we'd have to reread it. And, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't have a script, obviously. We just make stuff up as it goes along. Can we now talk about the Panthers because we have hockey to talk about? I'm trying to avoid it, obviously. Well, actually, I don't want. To All right, well, let's talk about this. I, I I'll, I'll just start with the rant. What did what did you all expect? It's three games in. If they were two one instead of one two, no one would give a crap. Like it's just that is how early. That's how volatile things are at the beginning of the season with a team that uh, was problematic last year, problematic the year before, had st- systemic issues that are just being addressed last month for the first time. So it's not like they all summer, you know, they're all practicing together. It, like, you know, it's game three. It's pretty much right after all these changes happen, not months after all these changes happen. What did you expect? They were playing good teams. Can we say I that Carolina is probably the second? Benville can't get on the ice and play for them. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean. This I isn't, this isn't, this I mean, isn't communist china oh big up big up hong kong we seize you um yeah i here's the thing i'll say about this china's leader looks like winnie the pooh and here's the thing i'll say about here's the thing i'll say about the panthers and i said somebody in my mentions last night according this wednesday by the way uh, say, how can you blame Bob Boogner for this? I can definitely blame Bob Boogner for this because when you're coached into habits over two years and they're not coached out of you, it takes a while to coach them out of you, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, because everything's at a second nature level and then you have to undo that and then build on a new system and make it second nature level. So there's a lot of overthinking there's a lot of things being slowed down and a lot of them just you know it's playing 60 minutes constantly thinking about and trying to do exactly the right thing for a new system is a lot different than playing in the flow and when you play a team like carolina who's a very flow very momentum based team that's played well together and tampa bay who's a better even a better example of that um you know what they they did all right. They there's times when they got overwhelmed five on five, but there's times that they dominated five on five. There's times where they made big saves that they weren't getting last year, and that was nice. And there's times where they were, you know, they didn't get the big save just like last year. I mean, it's not going to be a switch that you can just flip. You know, that that just is not how progress works. And it doesn't it works. Yeah, progress is incremental. It doesn't mean you go for incremental progress. It just means that it usually takes a while to build up to what it can be. 
And, you know, this is something that we always talk about at the beginning of the year. It's about the process over the results. And it's about giving the time, giving it time to see what the actual process is doing and what's resulting in and, and, you know, where you do need to spend your time and attention. Um, and where they need to spend their time and attention is the same place we thought it was going to be all summer. It's in the decor on the left side, um, particularly, and it's down the middle, second and third line. That's they, that's where they kind of have to figure out what's going on. Um, and it's going to take some time. Q has to figure out what his lineup is, how he's going to run it. Um, he's going to have to figure out how he can push guys. And it's it, – like, you know, they were kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a bag skate, but it looked like they were doing a lot of no puck drills and skating yep. uh, this practice. And that's that's good. It's not saying that they're unconditioned or anything, but, you know, it was going to take Quinville yelling at them and, and them stepping out of line, Quinville pushing them back into line right away and being like, no, we don't tolerate that. That's when the growth starts. That's when the progress can really start, you know, like, they're not saying they have to go through adversity or anything, but, you know, they needed to see that it wasn't going to be a, the handholding or the excuse making afterwards. And I think that goes right into your point you want to bring up with the mm-hmm. Q interview after the game. You have to watch this Quenville press conference. It's on my Twitter feed. It's also on Fox Sports Florida's Twitter feed if you want to see it. Joel Quenville immediately goes into we – the two goals that we gave up were defensible, i.e. they should have been defended. And then George Richards, who I don't want him to get slapped down, but he's never been slapped down like this in a press conference. And he also said, Quenville, like, yeah, you guys played decently after that, but it was like Carolina, he said specifically Carolina stopped playing a bit. So he doesn't even want to say, well, we played well in the last 35 minutes. He didn't even want to say Sam Montville played well in the last 35 minutes. He said, we didn't face anything. And he's right. Joel Quenville immediately said, and he said it in there too, no excuses. As opposed to Bob Booger, what would Bob Booger have said? Oh, he hit two posts, goalie made a lot of saves, we should have been better, we should have been closer, right? And after all that time getting smoke pumped up your rear end, hockey players are not dumb, they're going to tell you, no, well, we played badly, and Bob Booger, if when George Richards says, you know, decor, you know, you're taking time to learn a new system, and Joel Quenville said, eh, that's an excuse. Bob Bugner would have been like, yeah, no, you're right. Huge right. difference in coaches right there. And you hire Joel Quenville, you pay him all that money to basically go and say, well, no, there are no excuses anymore. This can't happen. I'm not going to look for the positives. I'm going to fix the negatives. And he focused on the 22 minutes where they weren't prepared. And he was right. And that's why yeah. I hired Joel Quenville. And I, I'm not often right, but here is something I will say. If you're listening to this after the Buffalo game, watch them come out like a house of fire. Watch them play their best period of the season because they know that the immediate response is going to be, whether it's bag skating or not, they're going to know Joel Quenville has the rings. He can flash, their ri- he can flash his rings in their eyes and say, I got the rings, listen to me, and they're going to listen to him, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to say that they're definitely going to come out on fire against Buffalo. Well, I'm saying um, that they're not going but, like, to I think poorly. They're going to respond. Well, in their it's going to be up face. to them to react. And I think that's what this season's all about. It's the Panthers needed to make some big changes. They made some of the big changes. They made as much of the big changes that ownership and the market allowed. Let, let's just take that at face value. Uh, you can argue degrees if you want but that's pretty much what happened 
but they still need to make adjustments. And yes, it is troubling that they're playing bad. And Quinville's right. And you want Quinville to take that mindset of there's no excuses. Um, you know, but you don't want to be sharpening knives for, for guys and singling guys out and thinking that, you know, the season's lost or, you know, what I said people need to get fired or... Rat trick is What I said is... They still look like Bob Boogner's Panthers, just with slight differences and better goal. Because they are. That, they are. And I wrote that after on, after Saturday, and then Bobrovsky laid a complete stinker in the first period. He's been bad the first seven periods. Let's let's not. I I don't think the first seven periods. I mean, there's a there's a lot of periods with a lot of highlight, you know, oh, robbery he's made saves great and stuff. Saves. So so I'm it's at not expected goals charts, and he's the but, lowest right now, and he's not that's, great. But but, but let's but be honest. To me, no, he's been he's been okay, and and the thing is less than okay. He's but he but it's not it's not just the defense is getting used to Q. It's Bobrovsky's getting used to Q. Bobrovsky's getting used to this defense. Bobrovsky's getting used to the fact that like he was coming from a Tortorella CBJ team where you know they didn't make those stupid weak clears that Pissick and Yandel and Matheson make that led to goals. Mm-hmm. You know, like they that just didn't happen that, repeatedly. Like it didn't just happen on the goals against. It was happening repeatedly against Carolina. Guys just not taking the extra effort and the extra step, or take, taking the patience, or picking their head up to get the clear to get the outlet pass out, and just they just couldn't, and they couldn't stick with their man, and they couldn't do a lot of stuff that is pretty typical of this team. And it's just going to take a while to get out. And it's going to take a while for Q to assert his power. And, you know, then you have to see if if they react. Because they might not react. Matheson might not re- react. Yandel might not react well. Trocek, somebody, Hoffman, Herberto, Dadenov might not react. And you might have to go out and change parts and re organize your team before you're competitive again i mean like it's not like i don't understand what people thought that this year was it was just all going to snap into place well if it the is, potential it's for late. it all yeah the potential for it to all snap into place is there but by the way they, they have to do a lot of like ex- trial and error and experimenting and figuring out what this new fit is what the new normal is and then what that new normal produces and then how to make that new normal better. That's a lot of steps, I and mean, you're not getting it in three games. I don't understand let's, let's people go, at all. Let's go to a couple of things, firstly. They have more wins in regulation than they did in all of October last year. <laughs> Part one. True. Last year, remember, until Helsinki, they didn't get a win in regulation. Very important. Yep. Number two, I will say this. This is not all negative, because there are players that I want to single out as having very good starts, and we'll get to that in a second. Number three, Quenville has made some changes, and you can see it. And I don't know how much you'll agree with me on this, but have you noticed, the first thing I noticed is, you know how with Bugner, all the D rush the puck, forwards fly the zone, they're gone, D have to rush up, and that's where so many of those horrific turnovers came in, right? Yep. They don't do that quite as much anymore. You were talking about outlet passes. Right. Some of them are not good. But they are now doing outlet passes, and the forwards are leading the breakout. That is different, and it's also better. Yes. Do you agree with yeah. this? Puck, puck travels faster than than the player, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and you know, like, and you just gotta have options. You can't. And they're they're showing more consistency. 
They're showing more cohesiveness, and they're showing more diversity. Their breakouts look a whole lot better than it did under Bob Bowden. Yeah, they're cleaner. They're less panic. I mean, the problem... The, the problem is still away from the puck, knowing where to be. And the problem is they just, other than Strawman and, like, Wegar seems to be pretty good. They don't have D that are necessary, necessarily have good defensive awareness. So it's, you know, you're kind of working against the curve a, a bit too. Uh, you so know, like, it's not their strength. talking about something very positive, and I guess we should mention that right now. That Uyghur Strawman pairing is that, and I've only followed the Panthers for like the best part of like eight nine years. Is that the best defensive defense score pairing that we've ever seen for the Florida Panthers? No, no, and especially like it's well, it's it's good. I mean, like it's probably the best. I don't know how by minutes. I'm sure they're probably second pairing. I um, think that they would be second but, pairing. But if I look at all of the numbers, and you might not. Want to look at I would say they're one of. I wouldn't say that they're the best. I mean, I mean, I remember. I mean, I mean, I remember the one year where Eckblad and Campbell were pretty, pretty effective in their own end, and just, just pretty, just you know. I mean, it was that one year, and and everyone it's, it's built bases everything off that. Panthers, but it's getting to the point for the Panthers where it's like, as much as I love Strowman and Weger, they might have to break it up because the other pairings are so not good defensively. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, what what's the issue? The the left the lefty. It, it's Yandel. It's Matheson. It's finding a partner for Ekblad, um, or finding a partner for Yandel or Matheson. It's like you know those two D are what's creating the issues. I mean, Brown and Pissick are creating issues, but not you know not as big, I mean, not I mean, as fundamental. You look at Sean Tierney's expected goals. You look at possession. I mean, Yandel's had an awful first three games brown was really bad and pesic was no better so there's an issue there ekblad and matheson have been less bad i mean matheson's still not been great the the, the yeah and i'm not uh, ekblad's been fine i don't really have an issue. No issue he's still play. we obviously Weger and strawman have been good matheson i just it doesn't look different to me it doesn't like he keeps it seems like I always hear he's trying something new or he's really working on stuff. So like, it's not for lack of effort. The, the, he works so hard. He, he tries every game, but it's just, it still looks the exact, it's, it's still arrested development. It's still the exact, it's still very similar of just really, what are you doing plays consistently that other teams are targeting him on and, and make, getting high quality chances out of, mm-hmm. and eventually that you have to come to a point where it's we need to give those minutes, we need to give that spot to somebody else because you're already starting the year limiting Yandel's minutes. Quinville and Kitchen is already saying that Yandel is a utility defenseman for for the power play, and on five on five we need to limit and shelter his usage. So you're already taking one left-handed spot out. And then you're trying to find a partner for Ekblad. And, you know, right now your second best left-handed – your best left-handed defenseman is a right-handed defenseman. Yeah. And and you know what I mean? Like it's – you've got to build that up because the prospect pool isn't that there. Kali Chanoff might be a second pair defenseman 
or you know is on pace to be a second pair defenseman and and that's great but you know that's not going to help for maybe two three more years and, and so you can't you can't bank trade. on that yeah and, and then like stillman stillman has to come up but you know the, at best that just allows you to to move i mean I don't know how, what that how, – what are you going to do? Because Matson and Ekblad have to play, and Wegar's playing great on the left side. So what are you going to do with Stillman? But you need – Stillman seems to be one of the only defensemen that's played this year that understands defensive awareness and simple effective plays and looks like he could – I don't want to say be Ekblad's partner, but – like, would you mind if it would say... Play that style that we keep you saying. Do, I mean, you can't do Yandel Matheson. That would be terrible. So, would you yeah. do... I mean, that's why I'm saying Uyghur Strawman might end up having to be broken up just because of pure numbers. Because you could add them and help balance out these pairings. Yeah, I mean, but, like, you're, you're at the point where you have to play Uyghur Ekblad together. And you have to... Strawman Matheson together. Stillman Matheson together. Or Strawman Matheson together, and then Stillman Yandel, Stillman Yandel, which could be problematic. I mean, like they need to—they're at the point where they need to get shit or get off the pot because they have border—they have prospects who are at the age of they need to get the time now. Stillman, you know, Shemtich, Keeper, whatever—you need to start funneling those guys through, making decisions on them. Um, or you're just not going to get the little value they offer. Because it's not like Stillman's going to – I mean, maybe Stillman. Maybe Stillman out of anybody. Can you say that Riley but, Stillman's ceiling but, is basically Mackenzie Weger? I mean, like, I think that's what it's it's looking now, and that's, you know, good, but they need, like – They do need top really Like, they need that. to – and, like, maybe Matheson is somebody you can – I mean, there's stupid GMs out there. I mean, a lot of people think our GM's stupid. There's even dumber GMs out there. There's Hello, a hand- Brad Tree Living, six and like, already for James Neal. But like, you can you can call up Edmonton and see if you can be like, hey, you want a D that can skate like with Connor McDavid and hang with Connor McDavid, or 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 Clefbaum or Nurse or like you know maybe. If, oh, if, it, if, if, oh, how just, bad would that trade be if it was Matheson for Nurse for Edmonton? Uh, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, you I, know, like, I, there's, I you, you take Jake, like, maybe you're, you're, you move Matheson for Jake Bean, and then you move Hoffman for a, a primetime defender, and you kind of just, but, like, you kind of have to do something. The rumors are that Talon and, you know, team are already looking for a left handed top four defenseman by deadline anyway oh they're going to acquire one it's but like who's it going to be i i don't know but i'm looking at nashville calgary carolina it's too early to say that right now but we we said that d was an issue and while it's not i don't want to say it's not as bad because there's still problems the problem spots are still problem spots and there have been pleasant surprises but i mean like it was even if even if matheson returned to his his glory right yeah you're still probably in need of a sec a top pair left d so like you know it's not it's not even if matheson starts improving a little bit or you know matheson starts being able to handle it and isn't as much of a liability it's it's if matheson doesn't do that 
we're in even more trouble. We need like more defensemen. Mm-hmm. And that's why you got to get Stillman games. And that's why, you know, because. This is why we are advocates of a. I'm not. I don't think you have to. I don't think yet. Yeah. I mean, because you're up against the cap. You're already. You're already saying we're only going to. We're only going to carry 22 forwards because we don't have the space, which means Tippett can't be up there. Which means you can't have Stillman up there. Like you could have Stillman up there, and you could be, you know, fine. And you could get him ready to play. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't think that they're bereft of defenders. There's Ethan Prowl who needs some games up there to see if he's good, if he's looking good in the AHL. You got to get him games. There's, you know, and you can't have Pissick, Josh Brown, like taking up spots like this. It's just, we'll see how it plays out. That's the same. This is something that we've known all along and wasn't going to change until later in the year, which we all accepted. Like, that's just all how it was going to be. So let's let's. Let, I want to say one thing about Pasek before we before we move on to forwards and and other things of this nature. I, I want to say this about him: he's not a bad player. He doesn't fit in a vacuum. Right now, and you might not you might think he's a bad player. He does not fit in Florida at this point. He right. not a top four defenseman in Florida. Could he be a top four defenseman somewhere else? Yes, he could be in Edmonton on a tanking team. Like, like on an AHL team, you know, like those teams, sure. Dude. But he's like, he's just, you are he's a very much like Ryan Lambert, and I love it. No, no, he's oh god, please. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, okay, that that brings me down to earth. Thank you. Uh, um, so but no, are, like, it, Pissick's a, an average third pairing defenseman, you can say. I, I, that's fine, but he's making too much money compared yeah. to the Florida cap situation. And looking at their D roster, he doesn't – he's not earning that cap space. So you have to better utilize that cap space. And by trading him, you can get maybe an asset or maybe just a couple mid-round draft picks, whatever. Maybe a mid-tier defensive prospect for him. And fine. Yeah, and More importantly, it means you can call up Riley Stillman and play him. And he should have. And been. you could you could call up Tippett and Stillman and play yeah. both of them. And it's Correct. not like, and and we haven't even gone to the issues at Ford, which I've been talking about for a while. And they have to rotate more forwards into their lineup, and and find different mixes because they have to start making decisions about centers. Well, here here's what the thing I will want to say about Joe. Can we get Borgstrom going with somebody? Can yeah. we get Trocheck to 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 play to his potential, Lord willing, you know. And can we? Can and we if not, like, what, what, who are the wingers that are get to do it? Because Connolly, I know why he's there. He's for the experience. The it, it's so Q, it's so Q can lean on him while he's fig while he's figuring out other stuff at the beginning of the year. Totally understandable, but Connolly is not somebody who can play with Trocek. I just don't I I mean I understand I don't what think... you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Trocek moves a million miles a minute and Brett Connolly is the antithesis of that. And yes, yeah, and we saw it with Troy Brower. Brower. We saw I mean like we've seen it with those guys. Like it it might be better to put Connolly down the third line yeah. where his experience and his patience and his five-on-five play can help Borgstrom 
you know, and I'm not second guessing Q. I'm sure this will come up. This will, I mean, they're already putting stuff in the line he blender now. A line blender after so. two games. So he's not going to sit on the lines and wait to change them. And yeah, unlike I just Bob think... Bugner, hold on. Unlike Bob Bugner, who put lines in a blender with no real rhyme or reason, he just did it. Quenville is going to do it because he's got reasons to do it and he wants to see things happen. You know? Yeah, and, and the other thing is he's going to be explaining his reasoning to players or it's going to, you know, it's going to be known to the players. It's not, and that's the difference. Like the players need to understand what the, what the message and the plan is. I and think they get it. I mean, I think can, they, they help get it. it because they've already seen what happens when they play badly, but also Joel Quenville is a Frank coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and like forwards, I don't see anything terrible i just don't think they have the the right mix yet i think they started with what they thought made sense on paper and they might continue to stick with you know to see if it to give it more games because it's still way early as we keep saying mm -hmm. but you know like i i'm not worried about borgstrom I'm not worried, and I'm less worried okay. about Trocek. I think but he's been okay, Borgstrom. I haven't he, been that disappointed with him. I, I they really need haven't. three lines to be scoring, and that might mean putting a guy like Hoffman, Trocek, or Connolly down to the third line at times. That might mean putting Trocek to the wing on a different on you know the set on the th first line. That might mean some you know because they're trying different things out. That might mean that they you know. Barkov and Huberto aren't going to play together as much. I hope they do, but you can't complain too much if there's a purpose and they actually have majority of a top nine to to move around and slot in. But a guy like Tippett is kind of what they might need. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know maybe moving. I don't think Malgin and Borgstrom is a pair that mixes. I think Trocheck and Borgstrom mix way better, and like that. So is is Malgin only going to play when he can play in the second line with Trocheck? That might be Borgstrom something that happens. Conley and Borgstrom you know? might work. I think that as I said, I really am interested to see what comes out in the lines when they go to Buffalo and like how quickly does that change? Yeah. Like I will, I do want to say this. Firstly, people are people. Somebody actually said to me last night, and I can't legitimately believe that I saw this. Was like was complaining about Barkov. Barkov's been fine. He hasn't scored yet, but he's been more than fine. I've got no issues. Barkov, Huberto, uh, have been perfectly acceptable and have been what? net positives the entire way. They're not the problem. You know, they can't do it all themselves. That's the what issue. Do you, what do you think of Barkov's usage on the power play still? The, he's not in that bumper position. He wasn't in front of the net. And I I think that it's... He was in front of the net enough. Like, the first game, he was in the front... Of the, he was, like, stationary in front of the net. Yeah. Net. Second game, it was a little bit of both. Third game, it started. And, you know, as when they got the goals in the third period, he was, you know, off the goal line with the puck. Yeah. Where you want to be. But they don't... They haven't been able to get to that position enough. It's been well, too no, much of the winning face -off give it to Hoffman, give it to Hoffman. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think Andrew Burnett's still trying to say, okay, we had a power play last year that really, really worked, even if it was kind of simple and it was basically Mike Hoffman as a great shot. So he wants to see, and he is not a dumb hockey person, he wants to say, okay, well, what is going to work? What are we going to try here? Can I move Barkoff here? 
Because, you know, like, like, do you switch it with Dadnoff? Do you put him on the second unit? He's still trying to figure these things out, too. And the power play hasn't been bad. I think it's actually generated a lot of chances, even when it hasn't worked. But they haven't been quite as crisp on the zone entries. Maybe that's because Carolina just stacks their D at the blue line. You know, but we're, we're not quite there yet. And I think for Barkov, it's a matter of, do you want him to be in, like, that Huberto passing position, right? Because it's also a matter of, well, what do we lose when we put somebody right in front of the goalie, screening him? The bumper position is what it's called. If it's Barkov, you lose all of that passing and vision. That third goal was that pass to Dadanoff that really only Barkov can make, right? And under the, you know, Paul McFarland po- uh, power play, that's not where Barkov would have been. Do you put Huberto in front of that? Because Huberto has also proven to be a ridiculously good passer on the power play, too. So these are questions that Andrew Burnett has to work out. And these Again, these people are not dumb. They're trying to figure it out. And they've scored four power play goals in their first three games. It's not like the power play has been terrible. Now, the five-on-three was. But these are things that they have to figure out. And it's the same with the penalty kill. They're figuring these things out. They're going with something that really worked, and the players are going to be resistant to change. And then they want to see how it's going to work. And there's a, I'm, I'm brought back to a quote that Maryland's men's soccer coach, of all people, said to me that I believe is really interesting, Tommy. He, he said once... You don't, lose any, you don't learn anything about your team when you win because you can't change anything. But you do learn a lot about your team when you lose. And Joel Quenville's learning a lot about his team when they lose. And the coaches are learning a lot about his team when they lose because they can make changes when they lose, right? And that's what I think they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out, okay, here's what we have. What can we do to change this? And do you trust the coaches, Florida Panthers fan base, to make those changes? I think Joel Quenville I trust to make these changes. They, you have to trust. You have to trust them enough to give them fifteen games or something. I mean, like it's not even that you can play one bad game. You can't. Last year, hold on. Last year, Arizona beat Tampa seven to one in October. Arizona scored right. one hundred fifty goals all year. Right. Every team's gonna throw in a clunker. That's just what happens. Eighty two games in a parity filled league. It's a matter in the of beginning of the year. Multiple crazy. games like this. Yeah. And, and we don't again, know not excuses. Win. You should have booed the Panthers last night off what? the ice. No they were with that. No, they were booed off the ice. That's great. Quinville wasn't pulling any punches, but you know the the people who have to hold the team accountable are holding the team accountable. The people, the fans that show up, the and, and the coach and everything. That that's and hopefully the players are are doing that I'm in the locker room behind closed doors said last night too it seems like they kind of knew like uh oh and they kind of knew a bag skate was coming you could kind of hear that right you know what i mean and now i look at what could be as i said how do they respond to this you know they're not sitting at home they're not you know when you're at home you don't see each other all the time you're not practicing with each other all the time but when you're on the road you do and they got three road games in quick succession, so they're not going to be able to think about a lot of this. And they're playing Buffalo, who the Panthers, for whatever reason, always beat the Sabres. Then they're playing the Islanders, who just got boat raced. By the <laughs> the reason is the Sabres are bad. Yes, the Sabres are bad. <laughs> this is correct. The Sabres are still bad. Although they looked all right in the first couple of games. Yeah, I mean, this year could be a whole different story. But and then, then they play the Devils, who also look terrible. So if the Panthers play decently enough in these next couple of games... Put it this way, the game against Tampa that they won, they looked better than any game than they did in October last year, which is already an improvement. And even in that loss in Tampa, they didn't play that badly. You know, they got lax in the third period, they screwed up a couple of things, but Tampa's the best team in the league and they still will be, right? They played arguably two of the five best teams in the East already. You know what I mean? So 
I'm not going to go jumping off a cliff because the Panthers looked bad in the game. The, the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's different when we're talking about it if this was Bugner, okay? I'll get to the Penguins point in a second. With Bugner, you knew nothing was going to change. He already proved that nothing would change. So if this was Bugner, then you would have had every right to be angry about it. With Quenville, he's still trying to figure this out. He doesn't know this group all that well yet. And you're, and you're probably going to say, why didn't this happen in training camp? Well, in training camp, you're seeing who's making the roster. And you're establishing the basics of a system. Joel Quenville would tell you, his best times with the Blackhawks were not the early days that came later. And as I said, this is a time when if you get wins and you're treading water, the Panthers were never treading water in October in recent years. If they tread water in October and they're fine and they have a schedule with which they can still do decently, they'll be fine. Because by the time you get to November, you think Joel Quenville would have figured it out. And I expect him to. He's already done the right things in terms of putting the lines and decombos in a blender after the first period of a bad game. Out goes Bobrovsky, okay? And he's like, easy decision. And he's showing the players, all right, this is not acceptable. Because the other thing, Tommy, that I think we should mention is, how many years have excuses been brought up into the Panthers' psyche and mindset? Tom Rowe, excuses. Bob Bugner, excuses. The last coach they had that didn't fall for that was Gerard Gallant, but that's three years beyond now, right? Yeah. It takes I mean, a while when you go from a coach who's going to coddle you and going to pump smoke up your rear end, as Bugner did, because he didn't quite know what he was as a head coach. And by the way, the Sharks are 0-4 and look terrible. I think that's a Bob Bugner thing, don't you? Joe Crenville <laughs> doesn't do that. Joe Crenville has to get a response from the group. And again, when you win, that's not what happens. And I think that press conference is extremely elucidating. And that's what you're going to get with Joel Quenville. And that's what you pay all the money for Joel Quenville for, right? There's, I, 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 don't I, think I, I just, can, yeah. I don't think I could say it, anything. There's nothing that. for the Florida Panthers to fear in preseason and training camp. Like, I mean, it's different. Like, there's just a different vibe. Quenville's giving them something to fear right now, hopefully. And if they keep playing like this... You know, then trade is a fear, something that they can fear. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. You know, just give it time. There's by the time we get to the next podcast, which is two weeks from now, which will be released on October twenty fourth. This will be the day of the game in Calgary, I believe. If the Panthers don't look better, then then you have the right to be worried. But there are going to be at that point what six games in between when we do our next. I think it's six games. They will play better at some point because Joel Quenville will demand it, and the players know that they got no more. They have no more lives. They've got no more runarounds. They've got no more excuses, and that's something I think that again the Panthers were always coddled. It was excuses. We expect to win. You know, we think we're good enough to win. We don't expect to win. Joel Quenville is going to bring somebody in and say, "No, we expect to win," and I'm going to prove to you that we expect to win. And that's everything he said. And everything he's done has shown that, right? Like, uh, yeah. I did you ever it'll, hear Bob Bugner say anything like what Joel Quenville said last night? No, no. Did you and, ever uh, hear and... Tom Rowe say anything like that other than when we were throwing Riley Smith under the bus? Uh, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you're going to hire Joel Quenville. These things take time. And I understand why you're angry, Panthers fans, because this is a year where they have to win. And I 100% agree with right. you. Right. And I you can be know. angry. No, Definitely be angry. Fine. But keep, just keep it. Keep it in check. I mean, I, like, I like don't be don't be saying like, oh, uh, nobody would be get 
nobody would be giving Reimer all this leeway. Like, don't be saying shit like that. I'm not like, giving Bobrovsky leeway. I said he was bad, no. and he was. But like, but like, it's. But also, James Reimer last but night. There's people have days. faith in Bobrovsky because he's better. He has two Vesnas. He's been a starting goalie since he was 22, 23 years old in the NHL. Reimer's really never been a starting goalie. If, and when you want to count him as a starting goalie, it's a lockout year in Toronto where he blew it in the playoffs. PDO. Not the best. You know, it's just. I, I mean, Reimer has a history of letting the team down. If let he threw, if he played, Reimer. if Reimer played a game like that, yes, he'd get booed. People would be saying you gotta get rid of him. But Bobrovsky, oh, who's just just new to get to the team, he no one's gonna say, no one's gonna be like, oh, Bob's done. We have to get rid of him. No one's gonna be like, oh, Bob's bad now. They're gonna give him. All right, he had a bad game. That and that's all it is. But you know, some people have to get all. Can I say something about Reimer that's important? Where's Where's Barkov? You know, missing person. Actually, Barkov. I mean, like, it's crazy. I mean, you have to temper it. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, fine. And same, same with Matheson and Yandel and stuff. Like, there's don't and Ekblad. Like, just give it a couple games. I mean, you can think that they haven't played well in in games up to now. That's fine. You can You can think that. They need to improve to get to the playoffs this year. Yeah. And they need to improve quickly to get to the playoffs this year. But you can also, while believing all of that, you can also believe it's only game three. They still have time to turn it around. And you should probably give a new coach and you know a new goalie 10 or 12 games into the season before making assumptions of how they're going to play the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. That's all. Can I say I mean, something else about James Reimer that's very important? And somebody pointed it out, and I think it's correct. James Reimer made a couple of ridiculous saves in the in the game, but he also led in two horrific goals too, which is peak. And and like those 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 saves that he made were nowhere close to the saves that Bobrovsky has already made for the Florida. That Kucherov event. save on the power play is like that's what you pay ten mil for. Right. Yeah. And I like, won them the game. So, you know, it's what I, I think some people come into the season with preconceived notions. And I'm not saying I wasn't guilty of this in the past or I didn't like to continue to play up narratives. But this is this is not a team that's destined to go nowhere where you, you have to think of something to talk about for a whole season. This is a team that's starting that actually has promise that you have to just let work itself out because it's not a team that has played on the whole don't ruin a good thing and it's a bad hockey they haven't don't ruin 90 minutes of bad hockey and 60 minutes of fine hockey and 30 minutes of good hockey it's fine it's early in the season this is not like the penguins who had the same problems as they've had in many years, and you know exactly what the problem is when they look like garbage, or the Sharks, and you can kind of figure out why they looked bad. This is a story, in the case of the Panthers, where you just have to say, it's a new coach. It is a coach that has all the pedigree and all the reasons to believe that he can get this done, and I'm going to give him the chance to get it done. Because I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing, and he's also said the right things and done the right things. This is not... You know, a first-time yeah. head coach. And we, and we don't out. know what discussions they're having 
behind closed doors. And, like, you know, they need to improve on their left-handed defense or whatever, but people also wanted them to give Matheson a chance. So which is it? Yeah. People people said that Quinville is the best coach available and he sh- he'll be able to, over the course of his contract, get them to be, you know, you know, in like a year or two even, get them to be in the playoffs and be competitive. But it's not... You can't have that and then think stop trusting Quinville after game three. You can't have it both ways. No, you cannot. I, I also want to say, when it comes to Reimer, he was an average goalie. And also, the other difference that James Reimer had in Florida that he doesn't have in Carolina, here's the thing. Well, I should reverse that. He didn't have it in Florida. He does have it in Carolina. In Florida, he had a terrible coach with a terrible system and not very good defensemen in front of him. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yeah, I just can't believe we still talked about James. I know, I know. But when James, James Reimer was starting... James, I, all shucks. I let in another stinker go in an interview. Hey, hey, oh, man, I, the game I, just got away from us. Oh, man, James I Reimer. Bought, I bought Steve Dangle's book. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, I bought that book, too. It's very good. Um, here's what he does have in Carolina. James and, Reimer is the Steve Dangle of goaltenders. So. God. Hi, Steve. I like you. You're very good. Um, here's what James Reimer has in Carolina that he didn't have in Florida. Great defense core, better system. We can also 100% agree on that, yes? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's the the things that they need to fix now that they fix goaltending and coach are big pieces that take a while. And it's just up to ownership and the management to – when they do have the opportunity to improve on defense, when they do have the opportunity to um, use more of their depth and, and try to find better fits and, and try to move guys around, they take it. It's, mm-hmm. it's really up to them. And, like, you know, then if they don't do it, then you can get mad. Yes. Can but, I also say you know, that when we talk about a PESIC trade, it has been rumored. I think it's going to happen pretty soon. It, it just There's too much smoke. Um, New Jersey – Winnipeg, I think Vancouver was also involved. Now, can we say about the Jets? I mean, they have no defenseman, period. I don't know what you could get out of the Jets. But... Billy Hanola. Oh, jeez. Wouldn't, wouldn't we love hey, that, by the way? Billy Hanola right now would be the defenseman we're talking about adding, and we could have had him in the first round this year. So just uh, just saying. Correct. Um, yeah, it's not Neil Pionk, that's for sure. God, he's terrible. Um I mean, I don't know what it would be. I mean, you could get a you could get a third or a, a third round pick for my guess, but anyway. I mean, Florida needs a lot of different D's, so if they could just get a D that they need. Mm-hmm. That'd be fine. Carl Dahlstrom. Oh God, no! I mean, like I'm kidding about that, by the way. Like, what if if they got a left D? I mean, it's not like you could trade him for if to New Jersey. Like, what about? I mean, the only D that you could reasonably get for him would be somebody like Mirko Mueller to make the money work, but. Wouldn't that be like at least something that you could try? And Mueller's only a one year in an RFA, and if it doesn't work, you don't tender. Him Will Butcher? Now you're not getting Will Butcher for him. Will Butcher? You're not getting Will Butcher for him. <laughs> no, you're not. If the Devils did that, then I think Tyler Dello would literally jump in the Hudson River. There's no way that's happening. Yeah. It's not happening. With well, I mean, I'm just. Yeah, I don't say that. But- 
Another another defenseman that Florida could have drafted, but you know. I know, I know. Uh, what about let's go look at Vancouver and what they could get out of a handful of them. Boy, do you think they'd trade only Yuli Levy? No, I'm kidding. I mean, um, who has Valamaki? Well, Valamaki's broken. He's hurt. Okay. So I mean, like the like. They would need. I mean, like Jake Bean in Carolina. Yeah, but they're I don't not, know if he's. The I don't know, that's like need more days, so they're not trading him to, to Carolina. Yeah, those yeah. are the teams that that Elliot Friedman. Just take a pick. Just take a just take a pick. Just take picks for him. You can that, take I the cap space, take picks, too. and find your D yeah, elsewhere. I would definitely. I mean, and that's that's the thing. Team. Florida needs to just keep taking actions, and it doesn't have to be right now. But you know, it's they need to happen. move. They need to move Pisk out. And then let's see what they do after they do that, and let's see how the team is after they do that with the cap space. Do they run? Do they bring Tippett and Stillman up? If they do, does Stillman get game time? Oh, and like think- keeper, keeper's not an option this year. Like no, I think I think what Brady Keeper needs is a full season of being a professional athlete and seeing seeing what it takes and committing himself. Are to not that. going to be as bad because they're not playing. You know. Harry Zolderchuk or whoever the hell they've been playing in recent years, you know. You, you hope, but they still have a lot. You know, we'll see, we'll see how they they go. They have they should be better. Yeah, right though. They, they should. Mean, but but here's the thing: like when like how good was Riley Stillman this preseason? He was he was, he was good. I mean, good. he's I don't want to I don't want to overhype him though because like like he might only be a third pairing D, and I don't want to. I mean, listen. That, that helps improve right the team. Now Mark Pesek or Josh Brown, it is. It is, yeah, but it doesn't. They still would have fundamental defensive oh, issues, like they. they would. Okay. And and like these first fifteen games or twenty games are hugely important for Matheson's career in Florida, and I would say at the moment, it's not going well. Uh. No, it is not. Uh, I'm going to look, by the way, now at Springfield Thunderbird stats. They're one and one, uh, as we speak. Jonathan and and Ang like has three, Jonathan Ang has three points. That's just, good. Owen just scored has got two points. Just the, something to consider: the AHL season's usually lighter in the beginning, so the time to have these guys up, the like what they should have done was have Tippett and Selman up in the beginning of the year, and if they weren't ready, push them down. Unless you know the, it's they're coming up, they're coming up after the t- the Pissick trade, and that's, that's always what, been that's the plan. what I think. That's what I think it was. I think it was. You hope, you hope so, but you know. But as I said, Ang's got three points. Um, Tippett's got two points. Keeper's got a goal, so that's a good start. Repo's got a point, so it's not like this is you know terrible. So no, it's fine. So okay, is, is there anything else Panthers related that we should mention? No, they just got to. Let their cycle through some more defenders, cycle through some more some more players, see if they can get their centers going. Is there anything it is what it is. That has, uh, interested you the early start of this NHL season? Uh, the Dowdy Kachuk thing was. Oh, was did you pretty, see that goal he scored good. at the end to tie the game up last night? Yeah, and the Kachuk the Kachuk one was. I mean, it was totally high stick. It shouldn't have counted. <laughs> well, so was terrifying. I mean, if we're if we're if we're reviewing goals and taking offsides goals that are millimeters offsides 
we have to we that well, that should not take, they already are taking off high stick goals but yeah so like that that should not have counted but i just i don't like kachuks at the kachuks i mean i think they're good hockey players i just they get under my skin and what really annoys me is for as much as you hear about like what the dowdy's point i guess i'm going to make too is you hear about in the nhl players coming in and being told you know there's a certain way you you have to kind of earn your place in the game before if, especially if you want to take some cheap shots and liberties and run around causing a circus and kachuk just doesn't understand that and what i don't understand is why no one just pops him back because he he does a lot of dirty underhanded stuff and i at least like that dowdy at least verbally confronts him and sometimes physically confronts them. But I'm waiting. I like bringing the element of hate back and rivalries back in. If they're, if that's something the NHL wants to focus on. San Jose and Vegas. And, and yeah, like you can. I like that. I like that. You know, the Flyers' home opener is Wayne Simmons coming back into town because you know Wayne Simmons is not going to take it easy. If in fact, if anything, I guarantee you, Wayne Simmons has a fight. <laughs> Well, by the time you listen to this podcast, to, to, you'll know to, whether they're to show it. off to to give it to the fans. Like that's like how he would tip his cat. Like he wants them to boo him because he wants to be running around throwing throwing hits, get into a fight, and beat someone up, and win the game. That's what Simmons wants. And seeing that New Jersey Philadelphia rivalry happen at least in one game, because they probably won't be able to be interesting enough over the course of a season. Well, but Jack Hughes versus Kako. Uh, I, I'm gonna be honest. Jack Hughes has been more concerning than the Florida Panthers. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. I mean, I. He said it, it, not me. That's all I've I've always said that you know he's not NHL ready and he shouldn't be in the NHL. His skills are NHL ready, but it's not best for his development to be in the NHL. And no one's denying his skills. No one's denying that he's probably going to be a first line player. But I, I if I was New Jersey. I would have sent him to college for a year. Uh, it, it wouldn't have hurt. It would have only helped. And what what are they doing this year that's so important that they needed him? Um, and he could have gone to a good. He could have he could have gone to any. He could have gone to what like Boston College, Michigan, or we would have went to Michigan or something. Played with Cam York, whatever. Had a real comfortable year. Put on twenty five pounds. You know, at best, you know, you're hoping for 25 pounds and been ready to give it a go next year and, and have a good strong camp. You saw what Joel Farabee was able to do, and obviously Hughes has more talent, but Joel Farabee was pretty NHL ready the first time around, but now he looks even better. Um, and obviously, Flyers have more NHL ready players, so he can't crack that roster yeah. still, but. They expect him to be up in like 25 games. They're saying it, they'd be shocked if he wasn't. So you know. Yeah, but by the way, I I, I think it's good in some cases, um, and I, I think guys coming out of the national development team, I think going national development to the NHL is not a good development path. I think you got to have a step in between, whether it's college, whether it's OHL, whether it's going to Europe, whether it's AHL. Um, it's it's got to be something. Uh, by the way, I did pick Capo Caco to win the Calder. That's a good pick. I mean, I, I actually yeah, this Kale in a in a fan in a fantasy league, I drafted Kale McCarr and traded for traded him for Capo Caco because I had too many D and I needed a right wing. So, you know, I don't hate that 
those two picks because they were my two there, picks. There, there are the team. Those are, those are, I, I mean, we get to see the abs in two games in the next, like, couple weeks. So I can't wait to watch them play. And we don't get to see Kako for a while. It should be a, it should be a good year, though, um, for, for rookies. I think um, there, yeah. there should be at least a couple – couple challengers the problem is those those challengers will all split the the votes and make it a two-person race yeah well also quinn hughes quinn hughes as well we'll get to see him at the end of the month yeah quinn hughes has looked looked pretty good i mean i think he's still a, a very much a work in progress as as is a lot of players on the canucks team but they're between the jerseys and the prospects they have they will be a fun team to watch and you know if you're going to watch the 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 knights uh try to pick it on like a, a good night like against the canucks uh yeah. by the way you or know, you know against san jose you instead of against like you made a team another guy that you were uh, an interest a fan of yep Tobias, Tobias Bornfoot yeah. on LA yeah and i mean both of these guys made the team because of they don't because have anything else yeah. i mean there's nothing else yeah. to say but they, the fact that they did still make the team, I mean, it's it's like to, Bjornfoot's crazy. I mean, he was playing Swedish junior last year. He wasn't playing Swedish pro. He's, he, I mean, like he was mainly playing Swedish junior last year. So that's that's a, and you know that's a testament to our Y hockey rankings where we had Hanola and Bjornfoot 20, 25 spots higher than a lot of the most people. Uh, but I think it's more of a testament, obviously, to the players and to the countries they come from, and what we've been saying all along that um, the new age defender is not always exactly the the thoroughbred puck rushers like Quinn Hughes um, or Rasmus Dahlin or stuff like that. It's sometimes, um, you know high hockey iq doing the right things being effective and efficient um and i think advanced stats and i think you know good scouting brings that to the forefront i i can agree with you there i want to say there's other things i guess i want to talk about in the nhl the national hockey league of the arts uh the leafs have been very entertaining (laughs) i've enjoyed watching their games I mean, they blew a 4-1 lead already. It's great. Don't you enjoy watching the Leafs uh, blow a 4-1 lead, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy most Leaf games because either they win and they just put up a lot of goals or they lose and they do it in some spectacular fashion. fashion. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because if you ask me, who the three ten million dollar players were for the Leafs? Um, it one would be wearing eighty eight and not sixteen. <laughs> so no. And again, I'm we're towards the end of the podcast, so most people stop listening. So I I feel no. Um, no, you don't feel any. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel any shame or guilt uh, patting my own back. But that's again something I. It was very easy another, to see that Nylander guy. was going to come in and have a good year and overachieve, and, and, and Marner would just have a very hard time overachieving that what contract. About, what about another Swedish defenseman you love? Rasmus Sandin? Yeah. Oh, man. Another defenseman Florida could have drafted within the past couple of years that would help solve this, this problem that they have uh, and why 
it's really good that they drafted Kalyanchuk. Why they should have drafted Kalyanchuk and somebody else like Miko Koskinen, who was available like in the fourth round when they drafted. But whatever, John Lund- Ludwig, right? Yes. Um, anyway, they. Where, where was I going? I just got so Sandy. in a tizzy to make my own point. Yeah, Sandy. Oh, Long. yeah, Sandy is. You know, he's. And a, a perfect example of the the new type of new age defenseman I think Florida needs to go after, and they need to abandon the more publicized Quinn Hughes version. Um, oh yeah, like you just he he can just he just handles everything. He keeps his shift lengths perfect. He he's changing, getting off the ice at the right time when he comes on the ice. He does, you know, he moves into play and swaps with his partner. He, you know. Everything looks easy for him. Everything looks like it looks like he's playing at a slower speed than everyone. Um, he's put up great numbers in the OHL. He put up fantastic, even better numbers in the AHL. Um, and he won't put up the numbers this year as a rookie. And he may never put up the numbers, but uh, you know, you need defensemen like that in the modern game, you just do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what you need. You need four of them. You need a different, I mean, obviously different varying of talent levels because of the cap. You can't just have all good and time dividing ice time. You just won't have all top pairing defensemen. But you need like four of those guys, and you need two of the Quinn Hugheses. That's what you need. And the Panthers have the other way. They have like one of... Quinn Hugheses. <laughs> yeah, at least. I mean, you know, but they're all kind of shaped that way and then and, and none of them and none of them are as good as Quinn Hughes that's also correct um, <laughs> you know none of them are don't you love Ilya Mikhaev by the way soup guy I do yeah that's that's like again come back to us again if the Panthers hired Kyle Dubas etc etc I just yeah I know it, it's disappointing uh, also, I mean, just a couple of other notable little things. We talked about Justin Falk on the last podcast. Um, uh, I don't think, I mean, I did see an article on The Ringer that proclaimed that Eugene Melnick's the worst owner in sports, which is bold. Like, Definitely worst owner in hockey, but uh, yeah. Is he worse than Daniel Snyder of the Washington Potatoes? Uh, eh, debatable. I know you're not a big NFL fan, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just think that when you have that many billionaires, um, the one that is bad with his money might not be the most evil. It might be the one that's really good with his money. Oh, geez, yeah. Just, just it's something to think about as we end or the podcast. Knows where to hide it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and can you know get a you know sheep? You know what's what worse? A wolf that you can plainly see, or a wolf in sheep's clothing sheep's that's clothing, hard yeah. to see. Is there know, anything so. else in the league that you would like to get to? Because I'm trying to think if there's anything. Um, I no, I mean Neil already. That's hilarious. I'm, I I just think that I'm trying to get get myself up to speed because I know we do have a few Flyers fans. I'm trying to get myself up to speed with the Flyers. So next podcast we can do like 20 minutes on the Flyers. I'll have the uh, means I, have I need to watch some more games. I need to catch up some games. Well, we got um, just watch one or two. I mean, because you know you can just mainly just be the voice of reason. Ah, yeah. Uh, that every Flyers fan needs. You can be my Jiminy Cricket, and I'll. Well, it's it's, uh, it's unfortunate because tonight I have to watch. Oh, I'm going to be watching two game fives of the NLDS. By the time you listen to this podcast, you'll know what happened, as opposed to watching the Flyers versus uh, 
Jack Hughes, which I, I'm interested in, but we're not going to see it quite yet. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll watch. I'm interested to see um, Kevin Hayes, how he how he does. Um, I watched what, a little of that. Where they line up Couturier and how they use Giroux. I mean, I think they have a good offense. They're poised to be in the playoff hunt, I think, if everything goes right. Um and the biggest thing of going right is goaltending and defense. I mean, I can't pick more similar teams uh, with different, with more opposite budgets, but ah, here we are. Ah, having uh, a rage room and one does not. Well, the other one might have a rage room. It well, might no, be called the owners. The, might be called the, the owners box pretty soon. Um, Actually, no, yeah. I'm sorry about that. The rage room is not in the parking lot. The rage room is at the PF Chang's at Sawgrass Mills. <laughs> The Rage Room is in the Lexus Club. Ah, yes, the Rage Room is definitely in. Actually, you know what? Very good point. The Rage Club's in the Lexus Room. Uh, um, maybe the Rage Club is now is going to be at their old practice facility. Or maybe, you know what? They should install a Rage Room at the new one at the War Memorial in Fort Lauderdale. No, it's Escape the Room. And, and oh, you have to, no, no, they should establish But it's the world's easiest Escape the Room because the only obstacles of getting out are the florida panthers defenders oh oh boy all right yeah that's a good time to that's a, that's a that's and a, we're, we're getting back to long we're getting back to long podcasts for the, no this was only an hour and 13 minutes it's actually short for us yeah that's true By we'll, we'll try to get down to a, our next goal is getting down to an hour oh yeah. i don't think we're getting down to an hour but i do want to say this because i wanted to make the joke about uh about um, Paul Schaefer and David Letterman, you didn't let me because you already got in the way of it. <laughs> oh. Well, we got close enough. So, next podcast for Why Hockey's in two weeks. The Panthers, Lord willing, are better in two weeks than they are right now. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll end up talking about the Flyers more. I, I yeah. assume we probably will because Tommy wants to. And, and I will humor him because I live right near where Bobby Clark used to live. Absolutely. This is correct. Um, go Flyers, go Panthers, go Hong Kong protesters. Good night and good hockey.